Welcome to Making Fit Work. I'm your host, Nina McGough, certified personal trainer and nutrition coach and busy mom of two. I'm committed to helping you get real results by sharing best practices and life hacks to staying consistent. I also regularly interview other busy professionals who have mastered the ability to juggle it all while staying the course with their health and fitness. Let's get started. Hey, you guys, I just want to take a pause real quick to drop a line about my favorite supplements, and that's my chocolate trim. It's essentially a combo of the liquid collagen that I absolutely love, plus CLA, which is a fatty acid proven to help with overall weight loss. I personally have been taking this product for over a year. Even my husband takes it. And I've noticed major improvements in my digestion, my energy level, and just less overall fluctuations in my body composition when I'm changing things in my diet, right? So anyway, if you're interested in trying it, which if you're not already taking a collagen supplement, I totally recommend that you do. Just head over onto the show notes and I will drop a link in there to my referral code so that you can get $10 off. And then shoot me a message. Let me know if you buy it. Let me know if you try it. I would love to hear how you feel. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Making Fit Work. I am your host, Nina McGough. Thank you so much for your listening ears again this week. I truly appreciate you. I am so excited to have my friend Camille Campbell here. Thank you so much, Camille, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Nina. I'm excited to be here. Today, we are going to talk about how to incorporate your cultural foods into your health and fitness journey. So let me give everybody a little bit of background on you. Cam is a certified nutrition coach from Kingston, Jamaica, and she guides women of color on their weight loss journey, helping them figure out how to eat their cultural foods and still lose weight. Several years ago, you lost about 45 pounds, right? That's amazing through macro counting and finally found what she calls her happy weight and food freedom. Kim is a married mom of one. She's been living in the United Arab of Emirates with her family for the last seven years. She loves to travel and explore new cultures through their food and is a natural cheerleader and optimist. I love that. You totally are. Oh, good. Thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad that that shines through. Absolutely. I mean, we've only met once in person. It shined through then (laughs) and it's shining through now. So I appreciate that. So Cam, let's get started with just talking a little bit about how you got started on your health and fitness journey, when that was and how you came to kind of find yourself. Okay. Well, so I feel like many women, unfortunately, I have spent a large portion of my life not really loving my body and not really feeling confident about, you know, my health and fitness path, let's say. And then specifically, you know, I feel like I I went through a common journey in that uh, I played sports in high school. Then I went off to college. I played sports in college. And of course, at that time, my activity level was able to keep up with, you know, my food intake. But then right. once I graduated college, my food intake stayed the same and my activity level went to zero. So of course the weight started piling on. And of course the thing is when I was a college athlete, they taught us like 
they, I feel like I remember we had one seminar about nutrition and mm. all they said was like, you know, eat protein, but like we never really went into like, okay, well, how much protein? And like, you know, are you talking protein each meal or just have a protein shake right. after my workout? Like they, no one right. ever got specific about it. And I also growing up had never really had any major example set for me about like what good nutrition looked like or what a healthy path was. So then after college, as I said, the weight started piling on. I specifically remember I had gotten to a point that like none of my clothes fit. I was Mm -hmm. having to wear like baggy jeans and polo shirts because that was the only thing that fit. And then what happened was a guy who I had met a few months before was traveling into the town that I lived in at the time. I lived in Miami. And he was like, oh, let's go to dinner. And of course, I put on my baggy jeans and my polo shirt. And I just felt like, oh, for real, like this is it. We're wearing this on a date, you know? Oh, yeah. And so, well, fast forward now, that's my husband of 11 years, right? (laughs) But the point is... (laughs) But the point is... Nearly you impressed him, Cam. (laughs) It all worked out for me in the end. (laughs) But the point is, after feeling so uncomfortable just getting ready for that date and feeling uncomfortable with myself, not necessarily worrying like, oh, what's this guy going to think of me? But just thinking, you know, whoa, Cam's like, we're supposed to be getting cute to go out and we don't even feel cute. We don't really feel like ourselves, you know? So I don't really feel like myself. So at that point, I said, oh, like, I need to just figure this out, whatever this is. Unfortunately, at that time, I ended up going down unsustainable paths um you know I was doing some like South Beach diet stuff some Atkins stuff I was trying like a cabbage soup diet I tried a thing where you only ate fruit and vegetables for you know several days and of course all of these things I would uh, drop water weight very quickly but you can only sustain it for what a week two weeks before you go head first into all the food you really want to eat right and so then I'm a person who, if I'm interested in something, like I'm going all in. I'm like the queen of Google and YouTube. And (laughs) like, I want to get the books and I'm finding out about the thing. So in all my Googling, I ended up finding out about macros. And uh, I hired a macro coach and she coached me through, I think she only coached me through losing about 10 pounds. But I basically took the information that I learned from her and Mm -hmm. ran with it. And from that, ended up losing 45 pounds. Um, But the reason that I like to tell people I found my happy weight is my happy weight was not at the end of that 45 pounds. My happy weight was actually probably at the end of 30 pounds because I've gained back about 10, 15 pounds since getting to that low number. Mm -hmm. But I'm at what I call my happy weight because this is kind of like my happy life. I have enough energy to train the way I want to train. I can go for ice cream and cupcakes with my daughter. I can go out to restaurants. I can travel and eat. And I don't feel restricted like, you know, oh my gosh, if I eat this, then my clothes won't fit. Or, you know, how I felt really at the end of the 45 pounds. So that's how I kind of came through that whole journey and uh, have managed to, maintain it even through two pregnancies well one delivery one miscarriage and you know just of course there have been ups and downs yeah, with the weight right. in that whole journey but for the most part have maintained like a solid 30 pound loss in that time yeah that's amazing and I think it's important to point out that 
you said it in the beginning, but that is a pretty typical journey, right? Especially for athletes in high school and college. Mm -hmm. They're so used to being part of this team, working hard, all the hours, and then what? And then what after college, right? There's this transition of like how to train, how to eat, how to maintain. I've seen that a lot, especially working in women's gyms. And of course, in college, we used to train twice a day. We would wake up, we would have rowing practice at 5 a.m. We were literally doing cardio for an hour and a half, five days a week in the morning. And then we'd have strength training in the afternoons, another hour and a half. So I was exercising three hours a day. I wasn't in charge of preparing my meals. I would go to the dining hall and I would say, hey, uh, give me that stir fry and some rice. Give me the ice cream, whatever. Just give me, give me the food. (laughs) So to now suddenly be like, no three hours of exercise per day. And wait, I have to cook the food? Like, (laughs) what? You know? Yeah, Yeah, that's a big transition. That is a huge transition. I also love that you mentioned happy weight versus like a goal weight, because I think that's really important. Sometimes women, and I'm sure you find this, like make up this weight in their head that they think they're going to be really happy at. It's their goal weight. And I don't know if you do this, Kim, but sometimes I'll ask clients, well, where did that number come from? Like, is there a reason that's the goal weight? And it's like, sometimes we hear things like, well, that was the weight I was right or that was the weight I was when I was in college and I'm like whoa baby like life is different now (laughs) very different now (laughs) so it's important to find your happy weight okay so fast forward you've been maintaining this weight feeling great Mm -hmm. now you've learned all this stuff about macros tell me kind of what a day in the life what your journey looks like for you now your personal one and how you've taken that and kind of translated it to helping other people learn about macro counting okay well when people think about macro counting or even just tracking their food they have a tendency Mm. to think like oh you need to be perfect and it's a very specific thing right Mm. now while macro counting is a very specific thing It's important to take a step back and look at the big picture, which I feel very glad to say that I have been able to do in that what I learned from macro counting was the general healthy habits that I wanted to make a lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. So moving every day, prioritizing protein at my meals, having fruits and vegetables, you know, getting my water in, just these little things that now are healthy habits that I make sure I include in my day, I would say 90% of the time. And clearly I'm not perfect and no one is, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't do these things every single day, but the point is they are now healthy habits that are just ingrained in my life. Right. And what had happened is I had always viewed my weight issues and my food issues as a very intensely personal and private thing. I would say that no one else in my life, except for maybe my mother and my husband, had any clue that I was at some point, you know, struggling with my weight or struggling with my food or anything like that. And um, so it was something I always felt, I don't want to say ashamed of, but it was just something that I thought like, this, I'm the only one going through this. I'm just yeah. this to myself, right? Right. And then really all that happened is at some point in the pandemic, I was just like, you know this thing that I struggled with, with my food and my nutrition and my weight loss and exercise, this thing that I struggled with for so many years, I bet there are some other black women out there who struggle with this. And that's what made me just wake up and say like, I'm just going to 
see if there are women out there who I can help with this same thing. And I basically took my own personal experience. I told a couple of friends and family like, hey, I'm starting this thing. And if you know anyone who has these kinds of struggles, like, you know, I would love to talk to them. Yeah. Uh, so from that, I ended up getting what I like to call my guinea pig clients. And so I got my guinea pig clients and I taught them everything I knew. And it made me say, you know what, like I can actually do this. I can help women. And there are women out there who have had the same struggles that I've had. And that's what ended up pushing me into getting my certification and now starting to change women's lives by helping them. Right. Because I got to imagine that when you were trying to do those other diets, like the South Beach diet and Atkins and the soup diet, did that essentially eliminate you being able to eat your cultural completely. foods? Right. Completely, completely. And just like I told you how I love, you know, like Google University and YouTube University, <laughs> um, you know, when you Google like healthy diet or like how to lose weight, you see that you need to eat brown rice and broccoli and chicken. And of course, as you said earlier, I'm Jamaican. We don't do brown rice. I mean, yeah, we do chicken, but... We don't necessarily, you know, there's not a plethora of broccoli really in Jamaica. So, you know, it was kind of just like, none of these are the things I've grown up eating on a regular basis. So how does that work? And I'm sure that was discouraging. It really was. And that's the thing. That's what makes the restrictive diets seem kind of shiny and appealing. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like they give you this strict set of rules, like, look, just eat this, you know, Mm -hmm. and then the magic will happen, you will lose the weight. Mm -hmm. But it's funny, I like to say, putting in the work at the outset and learning about macros, learning specifically about nutrition is what gave me the confidence, the knowledge, the freedom to now look at my Jamaican cultural food and really any cultural food understand the true nutrition information the true nutrition value nutritional value in the food to be able to have the freedom to eat it without gaining weight you understand and so it was putting in the work at the beginning that ended up giving me that confidence do you find specifically with women who are you know on a weight loss fitness journey that they come in with the mindset or I guess just the overall struggle of like I want to lose weight but like I grew up eating all these Jamaican foods or, you know, whatever culture it is. And they're almost feeling like stressed and sad about it. Like there's this feeling of like, I want this, but I love this. And like, there's this disconnect. Well, absolutely. There's this disconnect. And what's funny is I want you to think culturally about let's say the growth of uh, first world nations or, you know, the U S Canada, wherever in contrast to the growth of like a Caribbean nation, when you think of like the food history of my ancestors, right? Like Mm -hmm. coming from Africa, going to the Caribbean, not by choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe some of their foods were brought with them. Other than that, they were literally just taking scraps or taking what they could get and making what they could make from it you understand and so a lot of our meals now are obviously a reflection of that history right Right. and so what comes with that is that like say for example in Jamaican culture it's very common to wake up and have porridge for breakfast Uh, porridge is it's like oatmeal basically yeah you know it's made from cornmeal so now 
I would have grown up in Jamaica hearing like, come, you need to have cornmeal porridge before you go to school because that's what's going to make you strong and like going to make you learn more. So then the point is, it's like you have this kind of fantasy surrounding the foods, right? It's kind of like, oh, like, so porridge is what makes you strong and healthy and like smart. Yeah. But in reality, if you look past some of that magic, you would just look at porridge and you'd say, okay, well, it's just carbohydrates. Carbohydrates give me energy. So yeah, you know, um, my body's going to burn carbohydrates for energy. So sure, I could eat some carbohydrates before school. But knowing that would make you realize you could have porridge, you could have oatmeal, you could have toast, you could have crackers, you could have fruits, (laughs) you could have vegetables, you could have any carbohydrates. None of them are magic. They are all just carbohydrates. Right. So essentially coming from the Caribbean um, and like speaking to Caribbean women, speaking to Jamaican women, they of course have those same old notions, you know, which are telling them I should be waking up and having porridge. I don't know why I should be waking up and having porridge, but that's (laughs) what healthy breakfast is. You know what I mean? And it's funny when I have conversations with them and I say, well, you know, if you were to have a choice, would you rather have, you know, like some mango and banana for breakfast, like fruits for breakfast, or would you rather have porridge? And they say, oh, well, I'd love to have fruits, but I thought I needed to have porridge. And I'd say, well, no, if it's a carbohydrate that you're looking for, just pick the carbohydrate that you like, you know, just have toast if that's what you want. And they'd say, oh, okay. Uh, And it's just because we don't know what we don't know. And coming from a developing country, the truth is, boy, there are so many other things to worry about that <laughs> that sometimes we're not really like that worried about the food. Um, so yeah. I'm actually hyper aware of the privilege that I have and that really some of my clients have, some of the women that I communicate with that because it really is a bit of a privilege to realize that, you know, the roof over your head is taken care of, um, your kid is taken care of, your car is taken care of, you're healthy in general now you can focus on your weight and your food. You know what I mean? Because really there are a lot of women in developing nations that cannot think about food and weight because they're worried about many other things. You know what I mean? So what is your biggest recommendation when someone comes to you and is like, I want to lose weight. I don't want to not eat some of these foods I love. Like, how do you get started with them? Okay, so the first thing I have realized that we Caribbean people, I'm going to just say Jamaican because I mean, I'm Jamaica. We're not eating enough protein and we don't really realize it. So one of the things with my coaching is one of the first steps that I have anyone take is I want you to get mindful. And when I say get mindful, it just means I want you to be aware, like aware of what you're eating, aware of like your current intake. And every time I do that with someone, we realize that they're eating 20 if they're lucky, 40 grams of protein per day. And so then when I start saying, okay, we should really be eating like 120 or like 100 or 130, of course, it depends. Right. They're always shocked. And it's kind of like, wait, like, whoa. And so the first step for them, once we've become aware of the lack of protein, I start getting them to shifting their focus to prioritizing the protein. So not looking at the Jamaican food and saying, okay, I can't have porridge or I can't have whatever, but saying, okay, if I'm going to have porridge for breakfast, porridge has little to no protein. How am I going to add something to this meal to get some protein? So I would say, okay, have the porridge, but let's just have a slightly smaller portion and let's add two eggs to it. And when I say that, sometimes they're just like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's funny. Right. It's not sexy. It's not yeah. sexy. It's not magic. It's it's really simple, but it's repeating that simple thing 
over and over and over and over and over again, you know? So um, that's where I typically start with them. I start talking about, okay, I will look at what are our Jamaican readily available sources of protein and how can we simply start shifting things on our plate so that the protein gets increased or prioritized. And I'll give you like another very specific example. A common dish that we eat there is curry chicken or curry goat, and mm-hmm. uh, which is like mutton or lamb or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what you'll typically see is, you know, you'll get this plate or whether you make it at home or you buy it somewhere and it might have X amount of curry chicken. And then it has a large portion of rice and a large portion of what we call ground provisions, which is like potato and yam and yeah. uh, green bananas. Yeah, stuff like that. So the point is, the plate will be 70% carbohydrates and, you know, 20, 30% protein. Yeah. And so then I will literally just say to them, we're going to keep on eating the curry chicken, which is our traditional food. But I want to see 50% of that plate be curry chicken. Like I want you to cut that plate in half and 50% of it needs to be curry chicken. And then you, I want to see you do a vegetable. I don't care what vegetable, because that's a whole nother factor. Some of the vegetables that we have available in the U.S. or where I live in the Middle East now are not that readily available in Jamaica. I had had I had a client once on Instagram. I posted that I made salmon and like roasted Brussels sprouts for dinner. And I put like a ton of Brussels sprouts on my mm-hmm. plate. And I, you know, I posted it on Instagram and she responded and she sent me a photo of the price of like a pack of five Brussels sprouts in Jamaica was like 20 US dollars, you know, five Brussels sprouts, you know? Yeah, you cook those babies and they're like nothing. (laughs) Exactly. She was like, yeah, I can't buy Brussels sprouts here. And, you know, of course I was like, yeah, no, 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 no. You don't need to worry about Brussels sprouts. Like whatever local vegetable you can get your hands on, a vegetable is a vegetable is a vegetable. Spinach is not going to be better than kale or going to be better than tomatoes or whatever else. Just get your hands on a vegetable. So I really like to do things visually with them like that. So just saying, make 50% of your plate the curry chicken, the traditional meat, get a vegetable on that plate. And then that other little quarter that you have left, put in your rice, put in your potatoes or whatever starch you choose, you know? Yeah. And so then that helps them slowly start going in a better direction, but still totally eating Jamaican food. Yeah. I love that you say that because I mean, that's very similar to the Portuguese culture that I grew up in, right? We had a lot of mm. fish and meat as our protein, but again, the fish and meat in our, on our plate was a small, small. portion and then everything right. else was filled with rice and potatoes is, you know, the typical go-to. Right. Right. And like you though, for many years, I mean, I don't really crave Portuguese food that often and mostly because I'm just not a good cook. <laughs> <laughs> can't cook it like my mother cooks it or anything like that but right you know there was this mindset shift of like that stuff is just unhealthy right so I can't I can't have it I'm not going to have it I don't want to have it because I'm here on this journey and that's just unhealthy like I did very much do that for a long time so then now do you incorporate Portuguese food when you feel like or not so much still yeah you know what to be honest like 
my mom never really passed on that cooking gene. She was never really one to be like, oh, help me cook this or like mm. come in the kitchen. Like when she was in the kitchen, it was like her time, her thing. Like, ah, okay. So I never really picked that up, unfortunately. However, my mom knows that I, you know, she lives like 10, 15 minutes from me. She very much oh, nice. knows the things that I like. So when she cooks it, she'll always call and be like, do you want some, you know? Nice. So I, yes, now I'm like, yes, I'll take some. And I do happen to be more of like, you give me, for example, she made this dish actually just yesterday that she, it's called Bukayawa Braj. It's like a codfish mm. potato mix, right? Okay. So what she wants to do is give me like a whole pan of it. Casserole dish of yes. it. <laughs> and I'm the only one who's going to eat it in my household. My husband's a very picky eater. The kids are not mm. quite there with their taste buds on that stuff yet. So instead, you know, whereas before I would say, no, I don't want it. Right, right. Now I'm like, yes, I do want it, but give me a small dish. But I only need a small portion. It's just. Yeah, like I only, I'm just going to have it tonight for dinner rather than give me this whole pan that I need to now eat every single day until it goes, (laughs) until there's no more. So that's kind of where we've like found the balance where she'll be like, I made this. Do you want some? And I'm like, sure. And we have changed a little bit our structure, like, my mom does know that like, I do eat differently than they mm-hmm. eat regularly. Right. So right. she does make more in an effort that when we're going there, she does have vegetables now. Oh, on nice. the table. Whereas Excellent. at one time there really was, there was never a vegetable right. on the table right. ever. Right. So right. it's nice to have that balance to feel like, okay, I can have this dish that I love but I'm also right. going to have some vegetables with it now and not just right. bread and exactly. rice and potatoes. Right, right. Well, so, you know, it's funny that you said that about not cooking, you know, Portuguese food and stuff like that. Um, I will freely admit that I don't cook traditional Jamaican food on a very regular basis. I know how to do it because I was always in the kitchen with my mom and dad because they, they are both great cooks. Um, but I'll freely admit, I'm just lazy. I do not want to like stew certain things for two hours. I do not want to be in the kitchen, like seasoning things and just doing like all the things, you know, I'm a one woman show around here. I want to get into that kitchen. I want to be out of there in like 20 to 30 minutes tops and, you know, throw some stuff in the dishwasher and move on with my life. That's who I am. That's an interesting topic, right? Because generationally things have changed where most women are not spending I I mean you're right like now that I think about it sometimes my parents are retired and I'll be like oh what'd you do today and my mom will be like I made this thing and then I cooked this other thing she'll spend hours Hours. in the kitchen and I'm like yeah I I don't have time time for that (laughs) we don't have time for that right now so what I am big on is just making sure that I incorporate the Jamaican flavors in the things oh. that I'm cooking, but I tend to lean a little lighter, lean a little quicker. So, you know, I will do salmon, I will do grilled chicken, or I'll even do like a quick oven roasted chicken thigh type of vibe, but nothing that I'm like stewing all day. and <laughs> like standing in the kitchen all day. And I'm big on two things. I'm big on autonomy and I'm big on reality. In that, I encourage my clients, you know, anyone, women, families, whatever, you have to do what's right for you, like what works for you, right? So I cast no judgment if you're saying, you know, like, hey, I order food every night because I guess that's what works for you and your family, right? So I cast no judgment there. I'm big on autonomy. 
And I wanted to say, though, that what's funny is I think it's important to be realistic um, because, like, look, recently I was speaking to my parents and I don't know if you saw that video on Instagram about a woman who was talking about the amount of calories in fried plantain. I don't know oh, if you no, saw that I video. That, no. no. So there was a Trinidadian woman who put up a video and she said uh, fried plantain, which is a very common side dish all over the Caribbean, where mm-hmm. you take plantains and you deep fry them in oil. Yeah, amazing. Um, and they are yeah, like delicious, right? And like something that, I mean, a lot of Jamaican families are eating every single day with yeah. dinner, right? Delicious. She pointed out that, you know, this dish of fried plantain has a thousand calories in it, you know? And so someone else responded to her video and was like, why are you trying to steal our joy? And like, you know, like we all love fried plantain. Like, do not tell us the calories. In we don't plantain. care. We don't care. We want our fried plantain. But it's funny. I was talking to my parents recently. My parents, of course, love their fried plantain and probably eat it every day, every other day. They're retired, just like you said, your parents yeah. are. But, you know, my dad recently went to the doctor. He got blood work done and he needs to cut back on some of these fried and oily foods, you know, and Mm. we have to be realistic and acknowledge that, you know, we can't love our fried planting so much that we're going to let it affect our health and essentially shorten our lifespan, right? Yes. So I ended up sending my parents and I posted this on Instagram as well. Um, my recipe for baked plantain, which is lovely uh, and clearly it is not as decadent as a fried plantain. Like we all right. know oil and fat make things, you know, delicious, like of that's course. their job. But in terms of the texture and the sweetness that you are looking for when you have fried plantain, it still achieves those results with no fat and none of that extra problem, yeah. right? And it's literally just to, you know, bake the plantain in the oven and sprinkle it with cinnamon and a little salt and like literally a half a teaspoon of sugar on the plantain. It just, the salt brings out the sweetness and between the sugar and the cinnamon, it brings out the flavor. So you still get all the loveliness of it, right? My point in sharing all of that is that it's not blasphemous to your culture to look at a cultural dish and say, how can I make this a dish that I can eat every day or every week because I want my cultural flavors, but make it lighter so that it is not having a negative effect on me and my body. And I think you also want to think about what are we going to show our children? What are we going to teach our children? Do we want our children to grow up and have, you know, maybe some of the same struggles that some of us have had? Like, do I want my daughter to grow up and have the same struggles that I had? No, I don't. It doesn't mean that I'm here vilifying food in front of her, not at all. But I am certainly encouraging her and saying, hey, look, we've got lots of vegetables. We've got lots of fruits, you know. Oh, you want a snack? Yeah, let's have some Greek yogurt and some fruit. My daughter, she's eight and she left Jamaica when she was one, you know. So she has spent majority of her life outside of Jamaica. But if you say to her, you know, oh, where are you from? She's a very proud Jamaican girl. Um, If you say, what's your favorite food? She's very proud to say all her favorite Jamaican foods. Do you know what I mean? So she's fully aware of them, but it does not mean that, let us say, has the unhealthiest version of the foods on a regular basis. Do you understand? Right. Because, yeah, yeah, her following my example means that she now understands the balance of certain things. And of course, I mean, I'm the one preparing her plates, right? So I make sure 
protein is prioritized, vegetables are prioritized, things right. like that. So that's what a healthy plate looks like for her anyway. So did you just start kind of like trial and error, <clears throat> finding other ways to bring these flavors into your diet more without frying them? And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because just like that's what I'm saying about the macro journey that I went on, you know, several years ago. I would find myself, you know, dieting or trying to lose the weight, like working on losing the weight, but then craving Jamaican food or craving, you know, the food from home. And once I would start putting a recipe together, it would make me realize like, oh, wow, like, you know, yes, this plantain is a thousand calories because it's literally something that's heavy in sugar that soaked up a bunch of oil. How can I get this flavor without all of this fat? And so I've done it with several Jamaican recipes. And actually, I just did a little webinar where I I think I had almost 50 women attend. I taught them how to lighten up Jamaican slash Caribbean cultural foods and essentially learn the real nutritional value behind some of them. It was really just through trial and error. And it was just because I was craving the food. Yeah. This is just something I'm thinking about now. Did you feel like you were craving the actual food part or the seasonings and the flavors both I want to say both because you know what's funny I never forget this number I was 224 pounds at my highest right Mm -hmm. and I always had heartburn I had trouble sleeping Mm. uh you know get me to walk up some stairs and I was like like it's a struggle like everything was a struggle right yeah And, you know, and I would feel general discomfort physically when I would eat certain Mm -hmm. foods, right? But of course, at the time, I didn't realize that. Now that I have, like, changed the way that I eat, when I eat a meal that is, like, very high fat or, like, very fried or whatever, while I, like anyone else, enjoy the flavors and the textures, I end up not feeling so great afterwards. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it keeps me from having it on a regular basis. Like, yeah. there are definitely times, you know, where he'll say like, oh, like, let's just order KFC for dinner. And, you know, KFC tastes amazing. Like, yeah. I don't know anyone in the world who could say KFC does not taste amazing. Right. But then there's always a minute in my head where I'm just like, do I really want that kind of heartburn, upset mm. stomach kind of like, oh, uh, feeling? Right. And that alone will make me say, nah, like, let's just order from that other, the Spanish place that has that grilled chicken and rice and the roasted vegetables. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so I'm not saying we never have KFC, but the point is, I just know if I'm going to have that KFC or if I'm going to have that Jamaican beef patty, I'm going to deal with the consequences (laughs) later. So that's also why I needed to find a lighter way to have them so that I could also stop feeling some of those negative consequences. Right. So I love that. So it sounds like your biggest two tips is still having the food, but prioritizing how much is on your plate, right? Trying to prioritize protein, kind of cutting back on some of it. And then also exploring and a little bit of trial and error on how to keep the flavors, but cut back on the overall, like, you know, whether it's fat portion of it or whatever it is. Absolutely. I love that. That's actually really helpful. And I think it's so funny that you're saying that about your dad. I feel like we're going through some of the same journey. My mom is the same way. She's been going back and forth to the doctor because of digestive issues. And she does not want to face the fact, (gasps) you know, foods that she's been eating forever, that she's just so used to. And 
you know, I mean, the doctor just told her that she can't have, <laughs> she can't have dairy. Like, oh, and like Portuguese cheese is like such a right, big part right, of their right. everyday diet. And so she's like, no cheese. What? Like, are you kidding? Yeah, like, what? like, are you crazy? I'm not going to yeah. like stop eating this. And I, we actually just had this conversation the other day. I was like, well, you're not going to stop eating it, but are you hearing like what the doctor is saying? What like, the doctor said? Yeah. Literally saying potential pretty bad risks down the line right. if you keep like right. going and she's just kind of like you know shrugging her shoulder she's like I don't know I just don't see it happening you know so but interesting to think of is just maybe having less of it rather than right taking it away completely right and also it's funny I used to think that you know you had to completely avoid certain things but then I'll say it again, and I'm sure I've said it five times already since I've been here. But the power of learning about the macros helped mm-hmm. me realize that, you know, you can include certain things in your diet on a regular basis. Um, you don't have to stay away from them. So meaning when you think of some cultures might think of like a donut or certain types of cake, right, as like this simple thing you should stay away from. Mm-hmm. And I would say maybe in Jamaican culture, I could think of there's like Christmas cake. There's this like black cake or rum cake that mm-hmm. people eat often or gizada or some pastries that we eat. Right. right. Um, and the point is, when you learn about macros, you realize you could eat that Christmas cake every single day. You cannot have a large slice of it every single day. Like you may mm-hmm. not be able to have the portion that we used to have, right. but you could still lose or maintain, you know, your weight, your happy weight, having a certain small, a small portion, portion of yeah. that favorite thing every single day to the point that you might end up saying, I'm sick of this cake. I don't even need to have it every single yeah. day. You know what I mean? Like it no longer has that kind of power over you. But of course, that's all stuff that you have to take a moment to kind of learn. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not just going to happen magically. You have to actually like pay attention to learn. Some of Do these you things. feel like when you started doing macro tracking, you were able to incorporate, bring your cultural foods back into your diet and just realize kind of where you had imbalances <clears throat> Absolutely. It gave me the confidence to be able to do that and not worry about it. And actually, I want to say it, it made me start exploring cooking and baking a lot more as well. Oh, okay. Because I would be like looking at the food and saying, well, like, okay, well, like what's really in it? And so then it just would make me Google a recipe or, you know, there was a book that I don't remember if my mother-in-law gave it to me or if my father gave it to me when I got married but like a book of old Jamaican cooking recipes, like all the meals, right? Mm -hmm. So it was when I learned about macros, I finally cracked open that cookbook and I was like, wait, oh, so like, oh, that's what's in it. Oh, okay, you know? And that's how I ended up exploring and saying like, I'm going to make this, but I'm just not going to use the coconut milk or I'm going to use light coconut milk or this person is using a pound of butter. Let me see what the texture is like if I use half a pound of butter, like ah. just to see. Do you know what I mean? Just and to see, yeah. So many, just to see. And so, so many things I ended up saying, you know what? This tastes great with half a pound of butter. There's no reason for me to put in a whole pound of butter. Yeah, um, right. And stuff like that. So, yes, it ended up making me more confident to eat those things on a regular basis. That's awesome. I think we have to give ourselves more freedom to have a little bit of trial and error. I think sometimes when people try something like, for example, the notion of going into a recipe thinking, ah, let me change it and see if I can make this a little Mm. healthier on my own. It's like, we're scared to do that because we're so scared to fail and for it to not come out right. And if it doesn't come out right, 
we get disappointed with ourselves rather than just saying, right. okay, I'll try it differently next time. Next time. Well, but that's the thing. Don't you think that that's also attached to the old notion of you want to lose weight and you need to lose it now, right? Versus Absolutely. looking at the big picture and saying like, this is for my life. So does it matter if I try this recipe now with half a pound of butter and I don't like it versus trying it in a month with the whole pound of butter? No. So it's like sometimes women are approaching it and they're saying, no, but this needs to be perfect now because I need to lose 10 pounds before that wedding that's in a month. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Which is not necessarily the best way to approach, you know what I mean? Any weight loss goals or any lifestyle change goals. It's like looking at the big picture and saying, wait, can I do this for life? Like, am I I giving this up for life? Or am I incorporating this for life? If I'm incorporating this for life, then of course I can try the recipe this way. If it doesn't work, next week I'll try it the other way until I'm going to write down and say, you know what, this one worked. Everyone said it tasted good. You know, like this is the healthiest one and it tastes good. It's so funny (laughs) that you say that. And I think you're absolutely nailing it on the head with that because I see it with my nutrition coaching clients. I don't necessarily like I'll give people a guide to get started, Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily tell clients what to eat. So a lot of times they'll like shoot me a message and be like, can I have this? And I'm like, sure. Uh Like, and they're looking at me like, what do you mean? Like I can just have it. And it's like, just have it and see how Mm -hmm. you feel. Feel. Yeah. If you don't yeah. feel good, then you won't have it next time. And we'll just exactly. we'll just keep kind of going from there. But that's a really hard thing for people to wrap their mind around that we're just gonna see how we feel and right. go from there because they want right. and you know, and, and I don't I'm not blaming <laughs> it on them. It's it's the diet culture that we've created, right? Right, true. The industry is just has created these mindsets of, like you said, like needing those results now. And if I check these boxes and follow these protocols, this is going to happen. So it's really hard for people to wrap their minds around. Let's try it and let's see if it's a win. And if it is great. (laughs) And if it's not, no big deal. We'll try it again a different way tomorrow or the next week or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, this was awesome. Kim, tell everybody where they can find you online or what's the best way to get in touch if they wanted to talk to you a little bit more um, about their journey. Okay. Um, I can be found on Instagram. That is the best place to find me. I'm very active there. I'm very active in my DMs. My handle on Instagram is at Cam's Mindset Macros. Or you can go to my website, which is www.camsmindsetmacros.com. If you have been like struggling with your food, uh, if you are, you know, a woman of Caribbean descent, uh, a black woman in general, of course, then I would be happy to answer any questions that you might have about how to lose weight, how to lose weight sustainably, and essentially how to incorporate our cultural foods into your diet and still lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love the stuff that you share on Instagram. Just keeping in mind that Kim is, let's say, what, nine hours ahead of uh, Eastern Standard (laughs) Time. So if you don't hear back from her right away, it's because she's sleeping when you are awake. I'm definitely sleeping. Yes, it's funny. Like all of my GM friends now, they know, uh, you know, people start out messaging me like, hey, you know, whenever you get this, like, can you respond? And I'm always like, yeah, you know, like I, I see it as soon as I wake up. And, you know, I check it before I go to bed because... 
the truth is I'm well aware of the time difference. All of my audience is in the West, you know, so it's fine. It is what it is. That's funny. But so I'm pretty grateful that we were able to make this time work because I know it's a big difference. Thank you again for taking the time. I hope you have a good night. No problem. Thank you so much, Nina. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for having me. And I would be happy to come back anytime and discuss any other nutrition things you want to discuss. Like I'm obsessed with this stuff and I love like deep diving on a certain topic, you know? Yeah, I think we could definitely do another one. Maybe talk about just growing up, what it was like to grow up on just cultural foods and then how that big mindset, I mean... I don't want to ramble on about it now. We'll we'll get into it on another topic. (laughs) All right, Kim, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Making Fit Work. If you did, it would mean so much to me if you took a minute to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference and would be super helpful to me. Also, if you have any topic suggestions, if there's something in particular you'd love for me to address on this podcast, feel free to shoot me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and find me at fitwith underscore Nina. Again, you can find me at fitwith underscore Nina, or you can join my private community on Facebook called Making Fit Work and drop topic suggestions in there. Until next time, my friends, be strong, be healthy, be happy.